Here's one mind-blasting thought from our guest, and you're definitely going to want to tune in for more. Why would, you know, a woman or, or a mother want to spend time in traffic twice a day going to office politics when she can do her work really well in the location of her choosing uh, and then spend time with the people she loves the most, which is her family. I am Nicole Khalil, and you're tuning into the This Is Woman's Work podcast, where together we're redefining how it looks feels, and what it means to be doing woman's work. And one of the most frustrating things, at least for me, is in an ever-changing world with access to more and better technology, resources, and people than any other time in history, how many organizations and leaders refuse to test out new ways of doing things, new ways of allowing their teams to work. One of the silver linings of COVID, at least in my mind, was that it forced many people to test out remote work more flexible schedules, and increased autonomy. And guess what? According to the Washington Post, the majority of the largest American corporations prospered in the pandemic. And anecdotally, every single woman I coach had their best year ever in 2021. I'm not suggesting it was an ideal situation, not at all. But I am frustrated at how quickly organizations are trying to force their teams back to the way it was before despite the evidence that flexible work environments, schedules, and trusting your people is profitable. And I get frustrated on behalf of the women I speak to that feel that they could do better work when they are able to avoid toxic cultures and toxic leaders. I don't claim to be an expert on organizational leadership or the impacts of remote work, but I know someone who is. Lona Aliyah is an expert at building revenue channels and fully remote teams. Head of revenue at Safety Wing, advisor to startups and EU for innovation, Lona is a remote work advocate and digital nomad who has worked and traveled to over 80 countries and has learned seven languages. She's even building the first country on the internet. And I have no idea what that means, but it sounds pretty incredible. Lona, thank you for being here to share your expertise on this topic. Thank you. And what an introduction. And I love uh, what you just said about women, technology, remote work. Can't wait to discuss. Okay, So I'm glad that you said that because my first question was going to be to ask whether or not you feel I'm off base in my frustration um, with organizations you know, trying to get back to the way things have always been done. Are you seeing more flexibility than I am. And and then because you've traveled to so many different countries, are you seeing more or less flexibility in the U.S. compared to other companies? So big question, but. Well, yeah, big question. I I am 100% with you and being a mother of two uh, and a wife and a woman, I I feel 100% your frustrations and the world's frustrations, especially women, um, people of color, uh, as well as other minorities and people with disabilities, right? Um, when 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 these leaders are telling us to go back to a model that's literally a hundred years old, the nine to five, that was not built for today's day and age, when we have the technology that you mentioned, it, it makes zero sense. And I feel that it benefits the men who potentially own all this real estate that they need people to go back to. 
this is like my hunch. It's like, why would, you know, a woman or, or a mother want to spend time in traffic twice a day going to office politics when she can do her work really well in the location of her choosing uh, and then spend time with the people she loves the most, which is her family. So for me, it, it makes zero sense. And I'm very much uh, on the complete other side of remote work. Uh, I actually discovered remote work in the late 2000s when it wasn't popular. Uh, and I have been pushing for that um, ever since. Um, so it's not something that I've been doing for the last two years. I, I did this when I was very young out of college. Um, and um, when people say like, oh, we need remote work because we don't need remote work because people need to be in the office, especially young people. I say that's not true. You know, people can live and work from wherever they want to work. Uh, and yes, to answer your question, I am seeing companies in order to be competitive, in order to retain and attract the best talent, they have to be flexible. They have to offer people the opportunity to work on their terms because if you want to attract the smartest the best in the world you cannot tell them what to do and where to show up and in theory you shouldn't even have to or want to because you know when people love what they do i find people do better work do more work when they love what they're doing and are doing it in the way in which they want in which they have ownership over it 100% Okay, I would agree. And I can give you some data uh, to back that up because I love speaking from experience. Uh, at Safety Wing, we have almost 200 uh, people on our team. Uh, we have 0% attrition or 100% retention, uh, which means that we're doing something right. Uh, people want to work at Safety Wing. They love working here. Uh, one, we are growing rapidly. So we are producing a lot of revenue, which shows efficiency. Two, we are distributed in 52 countries. <laughs> So people are in all over the world in different time zones, and it shows you they don't have to be tied to a location. Uh, and uh, it is working out you know, quite well. So the model that we are doing, it's showing good results when others are part of the great resignation and they're part of uh, many different issues they're seeing with uh, productivity, efficiency, revenue, and we're not seeing those. So what are generally speaking the current trends as it relates to remote work what are some of the challenges so you know I, I don't think any situation is perfect without its challenges so knowing what those might be and how should companies be preparing for the future of work um the future of work i see it as being very much employee or contractor centric so basically you know the worker uh, kind of like sets what is best for them and the company is flexible towards that. Uh, some of the challenges are time zones, for instance. So if everybody needs to be sync for, you know, two hours uh, a week or four hours a week, uh, then it makes sense uh, for most people to be in a couple of time zones, which will sync together. For example, the Americas and Europe and uh, Africa usually are good time zones just because you can overlap a couple of hours each day. Whereas if you've got like the Americas and Asia, it's a bit hard because your morning is their night. And especially if you're a working mother with two kids, uh, it's not very conducive. Uh, so that's what we say in our company, uh, in order to have like a better quality of life, it's best to be in this continents. But again, it's four continents, which is great versus saying you have to be in New York City and 30 miles uh, within that radius. 
Uh, and uh, that works out quite well. So I see that the future will be more async. People will be able to do work when it's best for them. Uh, and then also kind of like meet up in places to build those connections. For instance, at Safety Wing, we meet up four times a year in person in really wonderful locations. Uh, like the last one was Mexico, before that was Slovenia. We're going to Bali in October as a team. Uh, we do that for about a week. 50% uh, of the day is um, fun and play, and then 50% is work. So it gives us that ability to connect with each other without necessarily having to have an office to spend all this overhead to make people come to a place. You've talked about borderless benefits. What does that mean? Yes, uh, so this is kind of a interesting thing. Like when people uh, start moving around, like myself, I've been nomadic for the last four years together with my family. Uh, we are like three months in Mexico, four months in Costa Rica, six months in Slovenia, you name it. Uh, when you do that, you run into border issues, meaning that something like health insurance does not transfer over borders. Uh, and that's what we innovated at Safety Wing. We basically said, okay, people need health insurance. They need to hire people wherever is the best talent. And that talent could be in 50 countries. But how do they actually cover everyone with health insurance? Uh, so we made something that is mobile and moves with you versus um, you know stagnant like most uh, insurance is. It says, okay, you live in Florida, you're only covered in Florida. If you go to New York, you're not covered. If you go to London, you're not covered. So we made something that works in over 180 countries and we want to make even more things, more benefits like you know life insurance, maternity, paternity leave, income protection, like the 401ks, like retirement plans, have them be borderless so that it serves this new wave of people being nomadic, being remote, uh, working from anywhere in the world, because we see that as being the future. We talked about this a little bit before we hit record, and, and I think this is just a good time to ask, because I know people listening are like, okay, how does she do this, right? You have two small children, you, you know, obviously a very big career. Talk to us about like more on the personal level, how you're doing this with a young family? Great question, Nicole. Uh, many people ask this actually. They're like, wow, you have this like crazy life. Like, how do you do it? And maybe it's not for everyone, but for me, um, it's essential because I like to have variety in my life. I get bored easily, easily. So I want to explore new places, new cultures, eat new food. Uh, I want to be in places where it's walking distance. Uh, and also places where my children can learn from other people versus it be so homogeneous in just one place. Uh, and we've been doing this on our own, hacking it for so long. Uh, but recently, there's a really cool company that just came along maybe a year ago called Boundless Life. And what they do is they figure out all the logistics for you, anywhere from you know, your Airbnb, the place you'll stay, you have once a week cleaning, you have an education center for the kids and a plugged in community, which means that there's a lot of people that are like you. Uh, some people might travel just for the one month out of the year, like on the summer vacation for the kids. Uh, they'll come to a place like Sintra, Portugal, where I am now, uh, but they have locations in Italy, Greece um, and Portugal and they're growing. So the idea is that families that want to try this life, they can have a turnkey solution without having to figure out anything. Their kids will be taken care of with the best schooling system. 
in the world and they will be together with other children of um, other travelers uh, so it's quite uh, cool and unique uh, honestly and I'm, I'm loving it so far oh my gosh it sounds incredible I, I mean I wrote it down when you told me earlier I'm going to look into it because I've always dreamed of you know it'd be so great to live for a summer in another country or, or you know for a year and and I always get trapped up in the logistics you know especially yeah children's schools and you know how would we make it so anyway i know what i'm doing after our time together let me ask another um question based on your experience what are some tips you have for companies you mentioned attracting and retaining the best talent i i think that's probably most companies primary mission and challenge right you got to attract and retain the best talent what are your tips on how to do that given what you know in today's environment Yes, uh, you know, the number one tip that I mentioned to many people, and it's very easy to remember, is do what people want. Uh, and, and let me backtrack that. Uh, I went through Y Combinator, which I'm not sure if your listeners know, but that's uh, the most prestigious accelerator in the world. It's in Silicon Valley. That's where Airbnb came from, Dropbox, Stripe, multi-billion dollar companies. Uh, and what the founder or the co-founders of um, Y Combinator say to all of the founders that come in to accelerate their businesses, they say, build something that people want. It's very simple, right? Like when you're building a business, build something that people actually want. Don't think or make up this business in your head. And you're like, oh, this is exactly what people will want. But then you launch it and you find out, well, actually nobody's buying it. So because we're not building something they want. Uh, now, when it comes to companies, uh, because I've been building these teams fully remote uh, and also building uh, the company together, you know, with the founders of Safety Wing, uh, what we're finding is that we do a lot of uh, collecting the ideas and, and what our team wants. And what I mean by that is that every six months or so, we sit together and say, okay, what benefits do we want? Let's revisit what we have. And what other things do we want to make us have a joyful experience here at this company? And we sit together, we do like a planning and prioritization uh, kind of hour. We put a spreadsheet together, we brainstorm on our own, we put all the benefits we want, and then we rank them independently. And then we see, okay, what are the top three that are showing uh, right now? And we implement those three because obviously we can't implement a thousand benefits. It has to be some of the top ones. Uh, but the idea is to do what your people want. So every company is different. Every company is going to have a, a different you know, base of employees. Uh, ask them, you know, whether it's an interview, whether you're seeing people leave a lot, have an exit interview. Uh, if people are staying long enough, ask them, why are they staying? What's making them stay? Uh, and then have these check-ins, have like an internal NPS, for example, where you're measuring constantly, are people happy? Would they tell their friends about your company on a scale from one to nine? Uh, we measure this uh, monthly and uh, it's around nine, 9.2%. 9 so like out of 10, which is great. Incredible. It, it falls into the category of simple yet extremely powerful in my mind, right? I think sometimes we overcomplicate or overthink like <laughs> we want to know what people want. Why don't we just ask them? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Make it simple for yourself. So what are some things that we should know about managing people remotely? So you manage a team, they're all over the place. I think some people start thinking like, 
how will I know what they're doing or when they're doing it? Or how will I train them? How will I develop them? How will I build rapport and relationship with them? What tips, what works for you in, in getting people that happy about working with you in a remote environment? Uh, absolutely. And this is very, very important. Uh, I think the number one thing that we usually look for is people that believe in our mission and vision. So if we are aligned, uh, let's say you and I are aligned that we both believe that this company will be the first country on the internet, we're going to be borderless, all these things, we know we're going in the same direction. So I have much less to do in terms of managing you because I know you already want this. And when two people want something, especially in a relationship, like a marriage or partnership or however that is, it's much easier to manage a relationship. If, if two people want different things, then you know you're going to have a lot of problems. So to simplify your life, first you find those people and you can find them globally now. They don't have to be within a 30-mile radius. Uh, and these people can be super passionate about your mission. And uh, if they are, they will work you know, night and day, they will put in whatever it takes to make it successful. So that's number one. And then number two is trust. This is a big thing. And I think this is what many big uh, leaders or big leaders, company leaders of big companies, they don't really exercise this. Like for example, Elon Musk, you know, it's like everybody must be back at the office. I see that as having a problem or an issue with trust. Um, you know, if I know that you are passionate about the mission and the vision. If I know that you are a talented individual, why wouldn't I put all my trust in you? You know, and, and, and by giving this trust, which I've been doing with my teams, I don't have to manage again that much because I know that they will do what they said they would do. Uh, if there is an issue, then we can fix it later, but you have to trust first. When you give people that trust, usually they reciprocate. Usually they will um, kind of like hold up to it. Uh, but if you don't trust them from the start, if you're questioning, if you're micromanaging, if you're slacking all the time and like, oh, this person didn't get me this on time, you're building a very toxic environment where any, like no one wants to be part of. Uh, and uh, that's not how you, you know, build a, a big company. So I think the future is definitely more flexible, uh, you know, less hands-on, more let the expert do their work. Uh, and then look at the results. So as you were speaking, I thought of just a couple things that I've noticed that I think I've done wrong in the past myself, and I see leaders do wrong fairly often, is managing to the exception. So you have one employee who takes advantage of a situation or a policy, and then all of a sudden it's like, we need to create a, a policy around this. And how often we inadvertently punish our best, most talented people when we put things in place to handle the people that we don't trust. Any thoughts on that? That's actually brilliant. I hadn't uh, thought of it that way, but you're right. A lot of the policies, a lot of the things we put in place is to mitigate against uh, the bad actors. Uh, but what we do at our company is that we shy away from doing that what we do is like okay we figure out who maybe uh, someone is not performing or a bad actor or not helping the culture uh, and then we quickly make a decision that we part ways in a very nice way uh, very respectfully uh, but you have to make sure that you um, 
address the person uh, versus, uh, like you said, make a whole entire company suffer because of this one person. Yeah. Uh, so that's why it's very important to build a culture that is really great to bring in people that fit that culture. And the moment that you see like, oh, I made a mistake, fix that mistake as soon as possible. Don't let it linger because then it spreads to the rest of the organization. And I've seen uh, our leaders, the founders be um, quite good about this. Uh, and also what they're good at is really having a vision of how they want things to be from the start. So let's say putting trust in people or paying everyone the same equally across geographies. Uh, and they don't let investors or other people like pull them and say, hey, no, no, you should do this and you should change that. Because I feel like a lot of people will come into an organization and they'll be like experts and the consultants or investors and they'll give you all this advice. Uh, and then you're changing the company constantly and you're going in all kinds of directions because of all of this expert advice. And the people in your company are going, what the heck is going on? What, what are we doing first? You know? Yeah. It's important that leadership sets uh, like a very clear kind of like North Star sticks with it and does not waver in the face of doubt. That is so, so important. I see so often where it's like being a ball in a pinball machine and you're just pinging off of everybody else's good ideas and how confusing and frustrating that can be for the people who work with you. Because this is a podcast by a woman for women, I have to ask how much more important or less important are some of these things to women as opposed to, so for example, I think of like paid family leave. I used to think that that was really important just for women. And now I'm starting to realize that it's really important for everybody. Remote work, you know, I, I on one hand, sometimes have women say, oh, it's too distracting for me to work at home because the kids are around and I see all the chores that need to be done. And then there are other women who are like, are you kidding? Two hours extra a day saved on commute and having to get ready every single morning. That's like a godsend. So I guess, are you seeing any trends gender oriented that, that play a part in remote work? Wow. I mean, as a woman in remote work, I, I honestly, for me, it's been the most life-changing event in my life where I have been on the other side of the table where I had investors, I had to be in Silicon Valley, I had to have an office, but it was going against everything that I believed in. And, and for me, I talk about like living a rich life without necessarily being rich. And I've been doing this life because I can have freedom over my time and location. And for me personally, uh, maybe it's just like one of me or like maybe an entrepreneur side of me. It's like usually rich people get to have that, wealthy people. They have uh, freedom over their time and location. They can be wherever they want. They can fly off. They can do this. They can do that. Uh, and, and be with the people that they want all the time. They don't have to be going somewhere because they're wealthy or they're rich. Nobody tells them what to do. And this is what I see with remote work done right. So if remote work was done right, what I mean by that is that you have a company that gives you that trust, gives you the flexibility, tells you like, hey, um, you know, Nicole, you can work from anywhere in the world. You can go have that summer vacation with your daughter that's nine years old and you can have this amazing experience in Italy, in Greece, in Portugal, have a once in a lifetime, like, you know, memories and still be working. And I don't mind you being there. I, I encourage you to be there. I mean, think about what that gives you as a person. It's just like 
all of the things you dreamed of now are possible because of this flexibility. Before this, you're like, oh, I only have two weeks, you know, a year. And let's not talk about yeah, maternity and paternity leave, right? In the US, you get two weeks. Uh, you know, I had two kids and it's just like two weeks later, hey, it's gone. Whereas at this company that I'm now there, you know, one of the benefits is four months uh, maternity and paternity leave, which is incredible. Uh, so, you know, a lot of European countries have one year. So a lot of things that we do in the US, um, remote work is opening up this window of opportunity for us to change some of those things, like the two week, um, kind of like a, work, uh, a year vacation. Now it's like a four week uh, vacation. Uh, maybe the five day work week turns into a four day work week. How can we make this more like worker centric, more life centric? How can we give people the life that they really want to live so that they're happy in what they're doing and we don't have so many miserable people and jobs they don't want to do? Uh, to be honest, like, I, yeah, I've never been happier in my life. And, and, you know, I get offers all the time. I have so many other opportunities, but I just love, you know, what we have built here because it's so conducive to life and I just haven't found it anywhere else. So anyone that's like, you know, in a company or leading a company or starting a company, make sure you start a company or, or place where people want to be at and give them these things. Otherwise they'll be gone. The best ones. I couldn't agree more. And what resonated with me while you were talking is there's so many ways to compensate people. We often think about salary, right? Or, or how much money they make. And sure, that's one way and an important way, but there are a ton of other ways to compensate people. And for some people, there are trade-offs they are willing to make, would happily make, that I think uh, makes our opportunity as company leaders or as business owners even greater because we have flexibility in offerings and, and can and bring talent in without having to always just be the top salary. Exactly. A hundred percent. Okay. Lona, this has been such a great conversation. Thank you so much. I want to give people an opportunity to find you. So uh, your company website is safetywing.com. You can find Lona on LinkedIn at Lona Aliyah and on Instagram at Nomad Cities. We'll put this all in show notes. Um, she spoke a little bit about Boundless Life. Uh, she has a discount code. If you put in Lona, L-O-N-A, in, uh, you'll get a discount as you're looking into Boundless Life. If this is something that's exciting or something you want to test out in your life, like I really want to. Lona, thank you so much. Uh, this has been such a good conversation. Thank you. And I hope it's helpful for everyone. It was a pleasure. At least it was for me. <laughs> so I awesome. appreciate it. At the end of the day, each organization and their leader needs to decide what's best for them. But if leaders keep saying this is the way things have always been done, I can assure you it means you're on the path towards irrelevance. And you should never have to force people to come back to the office. If you do have to make them come in, it's a pretty sure sign that you have a problem with your culture. Because the vast majority of people aren't avoiding doing their work. They're avoiding wasted time, whether that's commuting, countless interruptions, or meetings for the sake of meetings. They're avoiding micromanagers, places where they don't feel understood, valued, or included. They're avoiding toxic cultures. As Adam Grant says, if you want people to show up more often, make it worth the trip. And ladies, I see far too many of us staying in places out of some sense of displaced loyalty or fear of change 
or unwillingness to take strategic risks. We make up a large and necessary part of the workforce. We have power. It's time we use it for ourselves and everyone else that's being underserved by their company. That is Women's Work.